VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Jesus <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to Completely Bring Arbitrary. The off this house. <laughs> the podcast about trees and other related topics. Uh, I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I'm alongside... Me, Casey Clapp, your other host, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I, th- I think, Casey, I was overcompensating a little bit because oh. I'm qu- I'm a little sleepy this morning. We yeah. have a we have kind of an early ish morning record, mm-hmm. uh, earlier than usual, I'd say. Yeah, it's true. And when you showed up to my apartment, uh, I noticed immediately that your voice was very <laughs> croaky. Yeah. And then when I said good morning to you, I realized it was the first words I had spoken. Uh, all day, and then we jumped straight into recording. There you go. Welcome, people. This is straight off the straight off the pillow. That's right. And you know what I'm going to do today, Casey? Yes, because it's kind of a rainy, cozy day here in Portland. Yeah, I'm not feeling great, so I'm going to have myself some pho. Oh, please do. <laughs> you okay. like pho, right? Yeah. Are you mean like literally right now? You're no, for like period. dinner. Yeah, oh, I thought lunch. that this was like your, your surprise. Like, Casey, here's a surprise. I'm going to go eat some pho. And There's was, a knock like, on the door. Just leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you should. This is a this is a pho day for sure. It's a pho day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, pho plays in a somewhat important role in the history of our podcast. It does. Yeah. It's going to come out in the books uh, when we do our, our uh, um, uh, completely arbitrary com, com, uh, completely arbitrary. Yep commentaries yes there we go got it how much money do you think we we have spent collectively on pho exclusively while working on the, oh, our podcast probably two hundred dollars at least 200 bucks. minimum yeah. yeah it's always been good pho to be very clear yeah yeah it was kind of our go-to uh when we would in the early days mm-hmm. also would, dark and dreary yes in the winter time of last year we'd meet and uh uh, order some pho and so work good. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were so young, Alex. So naive. <laughs> well, yeah, that hasn't changed. That's right. And Casey, you know, we have a real winner of a tree to talk about I today. Think we do, Alex. Something that I didn't even know was a tree until you suggested talking about it oh for God. this season of food-related trees. That's spectacular. You know, what I think is interesting about that. I don't think I realized it was a tree. Maybe I, it must have been like innate, like you know, in the in the uh, the, the 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 annals of my brain. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I learned it. And every time I Google one of these, uh, like um, an unknown, I'm just like, what is, oh, it is a tree. Okay, cool. All right, great, great. <laughs> well, today, Casey, that tree in question is nutmeg. Ah, uh, the nutmeg tree. You call it the nutmeg tree, right? Yeah, okay. I, I don't, I mean, yeah. you. I, yeah. One would call it the nutmeg tree? Yeah, but you, I think you can also just call it nutmeg. Okay. As in, like, uh, um, it would refer to the the little you know spice that we get, right? But also the way you'd say, "Oh, that's an orange tree." Yes, that's a, a nutmeg tree. That's a Douglas fir. That's yeah. a nutmeg, right? And I and people do it. This, this is an interesting quandary you've just brought up wow. because you wouldn't say that's a pecan tree uh, or you know that's a, a walnut tree. You would just say that's, that's a, walnut. a walnut. Yeah. So I think that if you say, "Oh, it's a nutmeg." That would be just as just as acceptable as saying a nutmeg tree. Although it does feel weird coming off the tongue. It does as, a little as bit. As it were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Let's play around with it this episode and see at the end if we feel better or worse, you yeah. know, one way or another. I'm going to call it the old Maggie. Okay, old okay. Maggie. 
we'll come we'll come back to that quandary. But first, Casey, let's imagine that you and I are walking through a nutmeg forest. <laughs> what you question? You and I are walking <laughs> through the the spice aisle of Whole Foods. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I I see. Oh, that was a good one, Alex. And we come across a spice aisle. And uh, we come across a, uh, a, a a thing of nutmeg. Yes, we do. No, J.K. We come across a nutmeg tree <laughs> a in the forest jar. somewhere. <laughs> And uh, Casey, I ask you, please tell us about this tree. Well, I sure can. This is a tropical tree, Alex. Really? It is like super tropical, like tropical huh. island oasis kind of tropical. Wow. So they grow in, uh, they're native to a small little group of islands in uh, Indonesia called the Banda, Banda Islands. Banda. Banda, yeah. And it is a... Um, it's a, a small little evergreen tree. It's got um, kind of glossy leaves. It kind of reminds me of coffee plant leaves. Do you know a coffee tree or what it looks like? Uh, s- no. <laughs> I could have lied. I considered it. <laughs> I thought about it. I like just your to conscience. move things along. Like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So they um, they have a uh, really nice shiny evergreen uh, leaves. Of oh, course, yeah. they're evergreen because they're in the tropics. Everything's perfect all the time, and they uh, are alternately arranged around this little tree. And it's usually a tree that has um, if you leave, just let it grow, you know, out in the open. It actually kind of has a a small conical shape. It doesn't really grow big and circular. Mm-hmm. It kind of stays compact, um, and that's because in the forest, of course, it'd be you know competing, so it's more likely to just grow straight up. I will say about this leaf, it looks a bit to me like a bay leaf. It kind of does, yeah. I think it's a little bit wider than a bay leaf. Oh, but yeah, sure. it, it's got that. Uh, it's got that like classic leaf appearance, you know. Yeah, I've done this when I've tried to describe to someone like here's how you identify a tree some leaves are just like so obviously you know themselves like an oak leaf half the time they have all the lobes and maple all that like it's very obvious that that's a unique leaf Mm -hmm. this is just like lowercase boring leaf (laughs) you know oh casey are we talking utility leaf i think we kind of can but I, i yeah i think utility leaf is it's it works like they're just there to get green, and yeah. that's it. And that's that's all they do. The nutmeg pulled this leaf off a shelf. Yeah, it's but- like using stock footage for a video <laughs> that you yeah. edit. Well, it was like it got the Kirkland brand leaf. Yes. you know the generic. Let's yeah. just get that. It's the cheapest. Put it on. It's gonna make sunshine. Get back in the car. That's right. Because it's not really about the leaf with this tree. It's Casey. really not. Yeah, and the tree appears to know it. Yeah. So the big thing about it is also, I will say, it has utility bark. The bark, you know, actually, I will add, people don't really, like, if you're looking up pictures of, the of like, the nutmeg tree, mm-hmm. if you look up nutmeg bark, you get nothing but cinnamon. Oh. I don't get it. Like, apparently, people just don't care to take pictures of, <laughs> of the bark of this tree because it's described as being, like, somewhat kind of grayish brown, sometimes a little platy, a little shaggy, like nothing too intense. Oh, yeah. But then I Googled it and just did an image search of Google uh, or Google image search of our tree, which I should, we completely skipped this. Myristica fragrance oh, is the Lord. scientific name. If you haven't shut off the podcast by now. <laughs> Now's the time. Lo- say that again. Myristica Fragrance. God, that's great. It's a beautiful name, honestly. That's, yeah. that's so, I mean, maybe because it sounds like this, but it sounds very mystical and fragrant. <laughs> it, it does. It sounds very myristical. And fragrant. <laughs> That's it. You 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 hit it on the head. Cool. Um. So, but I did a Google image search, Alex, and I was just like, that's 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 all cinnamon. That just looks like cinnamon. Yeah. Interestingly, cinnamon, the other spice that we know as cinnamon. Yeah. It comes from the bark of the tree. Like it's actually the the bark that you take off, you dry it, and you turn that into cinnamon. That's very interesting. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is. So, um, back to Myristica fragrance, which is in the family Myristicaceae. Myristicaceae. Yes, Myristicaceae. Yeah, it almost it. sounds like a sentence. It yeah. sounds like a real word. Casey, can we just cut the bullshit and get to the nutmeg fruit? We sure can. This so, is what I'm really interested in. I honestly yeah. don't give a fuck about the leaf or the bark of this thing. I'm here for the fruit, baby. Now, Alex, have you have you looked up the fruit? Yes. Can I just say? Please do. I'm sometimes nature amazes me. <laughs> the nutmeg fruit is one of the coolest looking things I've seen from the natural world. From a tree period. Yes. 
I now there's a photo that you put in our, our shared photo folder uh-huh. here. Is that the one you're looking at right now? Uh, potentially, I'm. Okay. I, I I re-googled imaged, but God, it's the the seed. No, excuse me. Huh? The pit. Yeah, of right. the nutmeg fruit. It's the seed. You got okay, that. That yeah. is the seed. Spot on. Is so very much like a like alien egg. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to describe this. It is a monster's eyeball. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> a monster's It is a prop eyeball. straight out of a sci-fi movie about alien eggs. Yeah, it's exactly it. Like if you found an alien egg or you found a nutmeg with its sheath over it, it's actually called an aural. So wait, hold on. I'm going to take a step back. Okay. Before we get into that, it is it the, the fruit itself actually has, um, it's like a fleshy outer coating, kind of mm-hmm. like the, the hole on a, uh, a hickory maybe. Yeah. And uh, which I should say, not to be confused with the nutmeg hickory, which is a hickory that looks just like the nutmeg. It splits into four bits. That's its own episode. It's its own episode. We're going to put that off until next season. This one, it has a, a fruit that splits into two, just right down the middle, and then it opens up, and that's almost, it looks like this eye that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you find the, the, the whole fruit with the seed and the aro all intact, it looks like the tree's just opening up all of these little eyes looking straight down. It's uh, dehiscent. Dehiscent, that's right. It dries and it opens. Alex, good for you. I finally got it. I finally got it. I have real trouble with that word because it sounds like a different term. Mm, yeah. They, once you get to science, they're all based on Latin and they all have like a slight different, you know, bit to it. Yeah. You're fair in that uh, in that quandary that you're in. But this is a dehiscent fruit, so it dries up and it cracks open and it's uh-huh. got all these little red eyeballs in there. Exactly. And so the red eyeballs are what call is what is called an aril, A R I L. And it's a fleshy bit from the seed itself that actually comes over and covers over the top of the seed. So the thing that we call nutmeg, you can buy in these little uh, these little jars. Uh-huh. That is the seed, the aural on the outside. For those of you who aren't able to Google this right now, it looks like you take like a wax coating and you like let it drip over the top of something and then it doesn't quite cover it perfectly, but yeah. like you have a drip that kind of comes over and connects over here, then kind of deconnects. Or it looks like the same little black stuff that like gets Neo in the Matrix <laughs> one, where he's like sitting there and it like goes up his arm and then it goes into his mouth and all that. Yeah, that's also what I look like, only the color red. I I have a I have one too. Yeah, what do you think? It looks like you took a a whole nutmeg thing. Yeah, and then like took some bubble gum out of your mouth and like wrapped it around. Yes, it. totally. It's like it's like this weird like stringy red pulp stuff. Yeah, and you know what we use that for? What? A spice called mace. That's mace? Not to be confused with the mace that you spray in someone's face. Of course. It's a spice. Apparently, it's very similar to nutmeg, just a little bit more delicate. Wow. I tried finding it at the grocery store the other day. I failed. Wow. Yeah. Two spices from one tree. Yeah. Yeah. Double your money How with the, uh, the old nutmeg tree. Nutmeg? Yeah. You are charming me, my friend. Isn't it? Now, these trees are also dioecious, so these seeds only come on the female trees that have the carpolate flowers mm. as opposed to the, uh, the staminate flowers that put out the uh, the the pollen. So, okay. two different uh, two different things. Cool. And let's see. There's a, there's about 125 150 species. I've seen uh, two different resources say there's two different kinds. So, who knows exactly what it is. And then uh, yeah, the oh oh last bit Alex this is a little etymology for you. The oh. Greek word for um, fragrant or anointing is where uh, maristica comes from. Anointing? Yeah, like an anointing oil. Yeah. You know? You'd anoint someone, something, I assume, you know, champion of the universe. Okay. Which, Mar- to Maristic. be very clear, someone in in, a, in our nearby town, uh, in a cone of the month club, I think his name is uh, Thai champion of the universe or something. Oh. Shout out to you. You probably got an anointment from the... Nutmeg tree. Casey, do you know who that is? No. That's Ty Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> Ty Edwards, you're the best. <laughs> Ty champion. I laugh every time I put a, a cone in that, yeah. in that envelope. You can make your Patreon name whatever you want. Yeah. Spoiler, the cooler, the better, and the more likely I'm going to notice and put a little thumbs up. That's right. Uh, a audio, mental thumbs uh, up. Yeah, it's an audio thumbs up. So you just get to hear through the, the beating of the sound waves into your ears. Shout out to Ty Edwards, the owner and operator of... Cloud Cap Games in Selwood, Portland. What up? Selwood, Portland. Sure. Yeah, Selwood. Let's go Selwood, Portland. Yeah. Anyway, back to it. 
evergreen tropical the the bark like i think i said it's nothing special so yeah let's just move on past and look okay. back at those eyeballs yeah the eyeballs <laughs> are are the real money here and casey the eyeballs are the center of a bit of a historical Ugh, nightmare odyssey i would yeah, say let's go odyssey i think that's i think that's fair because yeah. that's good and bad yeah it's good and bad and it's yeah we're gonna the, the nutmeg tree a surprising like little you know what what's the top of a an arch is that a, the keystone oh sure yeah this is the keystone of a surprising amount of like global politics wow it's strange and we're gonna hear a lot more about those politics this is now a political <laughs> show anyway after a break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Howdy, folks. Today we're talking nutmeg. Yeehaw. A tree that I just learned was is a tropical tree. Yep. I don't. I guess I don't know where I thought. Uh, I think if I if you asked me to deduce where it was where it grows, I would probably uh, end up saying that's probably a tropical tree. Yeah, honestly, if you you know how uh, we were talking about the Douglas fir, and uh, mm. I said if you if you just point at literally any tree in the world, yeah, or, I'm sorry, in the western cheese, any tree in the western half of Oregon, the part of the world that you care about, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, of the world, you point at that tree. And you guess it's a Douglas fir. You have like a seventy percent chance right. of being correct. Yeah. Uh, if you say, look at any plant in the world, and you're like, that's probably a tropical plant. You're probably going to be like ninety percent correct. I see. Because there are so many of them, and they're everywhere. Statistically. Yeah, we're talking stats here. Today's episode is about two words that I basically only know the the names of these words right. and nothing more to do with this <laughs> subject. That is the spice trade. That's right, Alex. Now, here, here, let's, let's go back in time. Okay. Since the dawn of time. Oh, wow. European food has been bland and pitiful. Right. That's kind of, I think, a really good place to start. Europeans had horrible tasting food. Yeah. It was like, you know, turnips and potatoes with salt and then some beef, probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe some pork. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Lamb. At least they had salt. At least they had salt. But that's the thing. It was, it was that, that, it gives you a little bit of, of zing, but it doesn't actually add any flavor. So it's like, okay, let's use these these roots to flavor this meat and we're going to come up with uh this tastes horrible yeah so thus the shepherd's pie was born <laughs> thus the shepherd's pie was born oh so good that sound good i mean they might have had some spices like from the mediterranean you know like basil or rosemary you know that kind of stuff okay. was probably moving around um but in in the sense of like you know the spices as we know them or mm -hmm. like if you think of spicy you know food it's usually something that has to do with let's say india or um like China, where like these the flavors are just so 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 different. Yeah, right? it's yeah. so much more like zingy, you know. Yeah, zingy. Yeah, so they had uh, essentially they were going through and living their lives bland as ever, and then mm, I'm going to say even like during the Roman times, like well when Persia or Persia the Empire was like going going wild, mm -hmm. all these things there were trade routes. You you you're familiar with the famous Silk Road? Yes. So, um, there were these trades going back and forth. So, every now and then, the Europeans would find themselves uh, trading with these traders who traded with these traders who traded with these traders from East Asia, you know, from these mythic, mythical, mystical, myristical mm. Orient. 
the Orient is what they called it, which okay. is just the Latin term for East. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if everyone says Oriental, the very much out of favor yeah. uh, kind of term, it's because it's just saying you're from the East. Okay. And so it was very like, no, I'm 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 from a very specific place from the East. You know, so right. we still don't say it. We but. still don't say it. I highly don't recommend it. So. This tree is from this great, uh, this very like, you know, mystical place. Everyone's like, wow, the Spice Islands. Where? That's, wow, that's so cool. But these traders, this was all going over land at the time. Mm -hmm. And no one really, they didn't say anything. They didn't say where these islands were. They just said, I got these spices, you want it? And um, these were mostly controlled by, at the time, the Arabs who lived in this area. And so they would trade back and forth, and they would uh, provide things like uh, pepper and cinnamon and cloves and nutmeg, mm-hmm. mace. And all of a sudden, people were like, wow, this is, this is really good. Ginger and uh, uh, was also a big popular one. Hmm. Pepper was like the number one. Everyone wanted to get their hands on pepper. Yeah. So they were super popular, um, but they were really expensive because there's middlemen at every single point. So someone grows it and they harvest it, then they sell it to someone else, and that person upsells it and makes money along the route. And then if you're going along the route, it was super dangerous. People would come and just, you know, raid your wagon, take all your stuff. And then you're like, well, great. I made no money, and everyone got, you know, sold into slavery or something. Right. It was a different time. Oh, yeah. So. In Europe at this time, this is like the 1400s. You remember the the famous 1499 sale of uh, Columbus, right? Yes. So he was Spanish. And also there's this other guy. He was actually, I think he was Italian, um, Vasco da Gama. Was he Italian? Yeah. I think he was. Sounds Italian enough. He's a European. So these Europeans started going around and starting to... uh, essentially explore the world. Now, they were exploring at this time. They were also looking to find resources. Vasco da Gama specifically said when he went to, uh, when he finally like made contact in India after going all the way um, around the Cape of Africa and back up mm-hmm. by boat, he was like, hey, cool. Um, I'm looking for Christians and spices. And uh, according to the thing I read, he he basically was like, as soon as he found spices, he was like, all right, I don't really care about the Christians. Uh, I just want to get these spices. (laughs) I don't think he said that, but, you know, by his actions. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. Like, yeah, he kind of forgot about the Christians afterwards. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So to give a, a little context of where <laughs> Europe was at this point, this is what they called the Dark Ages, which is a horrible yes. term. They're just the medieval, and they kind of call it the, it's the period after um, Rome had really lost a bunch of its power, mm-hmm. and um, all these different empires were kind of fading. It was, a, it was a horrible mishmash of who is the most rich and who is the, the highest route royalty Yes. Going around. And, Who yeah. has the most money to pay the biggest army? To go... That person's in charge. Exactly. And this was like, you know, there was a lot of little ones. So you have maybe two or three in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So um, this is also just after the bubonic plague. You're familiar? Oh, yeah. Now, now this is all going to come together, I promise you. Okay. So at the time when the bubonic plague happened, I think it was something like 50% of the entire population of Europe yes. was killed. Funny enough, that actually came across the Silk Roads. It initiated. Uh, it came from, they think, marmots in China. No shit. Yeah, that's where the bubonic plague came oh from. Oh my god. Yeah, and then it came across over to uh, through the Silk Roads and through like Venetian traders and these kinds of things. And then it you know spread up through through Europe. Those dag blasted marmots. Yeah, it also went down through Africa because of course this was a the Middle East was like the hub of of everything. You went down through Africa, you went north through Europe, and you went east over to uh, India and East Asia. Is that, is that why it's called the Middle East? Yeah, I think so. But that also, a lot of people think that it's just a Western term because yeah. it, it's the Middle East because there's the Far East and the Middle East. Right. Yeah, so it's kind of like, well, that's, that's a very That's European a very European-centric, yeah, yeah, you know. So, wow, um, are we seeing a pattern here, Casey? Huh, I think we the might first be. time <laughs> well, you and I are uncovering <laughs> an idea that... <laughs> yeah, we are, and it's just going to get worse here in a little bit. <laughs> um, so the, the Holy Roman Empire this time was kind of going strong, and it was, it was on the waning side and Portugal and Spain had just started working together essentially they they kind of had this big marriage they called it the Iberian Union for the the Iberian Peninsula is Spain and mm. Portugal 
So they called it the Iberian Union, and it was really just a marriage. And then all of a sudden, Spain was like, you're ours now. And Portugal is like, eh, okay, cool. We're going to work together. Wow. Uh, I don't know if they probably thought that. I think there's probably like interwar here. Um, that yes. probably happened. Um, so then, now you have this kind of big conglomerate. At the time, Portugal and Spain were out doing their thing. Remember that Columbus in 1492 was from Spain. Right. So these people were trying to find resources all throughout the world. They mm. just, all of a sudden, um, this spice trade that was coming across where everyone's like, don't tell anyone where the spice islands are. We have, we were controlling that. And these, uh, you know, traders had that like, not monopoly, but they had a lockdown on that trade. As soon as Vasco da Gama got over there and said, hey, everyone, we can just bypass this whole thing. All of a sudden, the Spanish and the Portuguese were like, okay, let's let's go explore over here and trade direct from the source. So then all of a sudden, they found these islands called the Spice Islands, the Banda Islands, which are in uh, modern-day Indonesia. They're just to the west of the island of New Guinea. And these islands were just beautiful. They're packed with, you know, every tropical thing you could want. I think a lot of them are um volcanic in origin. Wow. And so they but they just they they have this like super tropical vibe. And these had people that lived on them for for, you know, thousands of years. Not only that, but back in the time of Christ, you know, around the the turn of the zero, I guess. Um <laughs> They had, uh, there's some people that lived there. We call them the Bandanese. The Bandanese were these people who knew what they had. And there was a bunch of different nutmegs all over. There's like a hundred and some different species, right? Yeah. So there's some that were much more delicious, much stronger, and much more um, potent in terms of like, this tastes really good. That one's eh, it's just okay. It was a little bland. I see. So um, they were trading with all these different people, all these different islands, trading all these different nutmegs. And the Bandanese people were like, they knew what they had. And they were, they were doing it they had um these rich i think they're basically family like heads of households kind of thing mm. they would grow a bunch they would sell it and they were like these important people and what happened is as soon as the uh portuguese came over the portuguese were like hey why don't you just sell to us and then all of a sudden they're like oh sure i guess uh that sounds that sounds great i would love to uh here it is but they would be selling to everybody right yeah so these are what we call, like you said earlier, the Spice Islands, the okay. Banda Islands and the surrounding islands. Um, so it turns out that these Bandanese people, they were like, we have the best. I think this is the best. And they started growing the tree that we now know today as Maristica Fragrance. So the sort of uh, the, uh, the, 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 the cream of the crop of all these different nutmegs, why don't we just cultivate the fuck out of this one yeah, exactly it's the best one that we exactly. know of exactly and it was theirs like it was on their island so they're like sweet let's just grow this one you know mm-hmm. so it's kind of a little bit of a, a right place right time they okay. had the best tree they knew what they had and it was growing like crazy everywhere yeah so um Meanwhile, they're trading with all these uh, Portuguese and these Spanish folks, and then um, back over in Europe, again, we're eating our our just completely awful mutton, and everyone's like, well, you know, hey, whatever, let's, let's, can we buy some spices? And these, these ships come over, these, you know, traders from uh, the Mediterranean are trading up these delicious things, like, well, let's, let's add cinnamon to this, let's add nutmeg to this, and so if you were that high aristocracy, you were able to afford these, like, fancy spices, Right. And that would be uh, where this demand started coming from. Hmm. So all of a sudden, you have this small amount of stuff that is being traded back and forth through everyone's hands. So the prices is going up, going up, one small commodity. By the time it gets to Europe, it's really expensive. Yeah. Not only is it delicious, Alex, um, but it is a sign of your fanciness. Right. So it's keeping up with the Joneses is essentially what it is. So if you are like some lord, you don't. You're like, well, you know, lord over there, he's 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 got a bunch of cinnamon and other spices. I'm going to get cloves and and garlic and ginger, and you add all these things and you put it on your menu. Then you invite them over, and everyone's like, wow, they're so fancy. Because the idea here is that every time that. Spice has to stop and be traded to another person. It's yeah, marked up. Exactly. So by the time it gets all the way to Europe, yeah. which is like thousands of miles. So far, yeah. Uh, it's exorbitantly priced, and the only people who can afford it are like barons and shit. Exactly. The high aristocracy, you yeah. know, the merchant class, or the actual royalty, you know, those rich landholders, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, at the time, they would love it. It was fancy. They made them look cool. 
and it made their food taste so much better. Right. Like, it was just something they're like, this is actually delicious. I want more of this. So it became in demand because it was cool. It came in demand because it actually tasted good, and it was in demand, Alex, because it was, like, magical. People at the time mm-hmm. were like, plants are magical. These are these, you know, faraway eastern spices, this nutmeg that comes from this mystical tree. Right. And they're like, yeah, this does fancy stuff. You know, you eat it, and... The list that I found um, that it does is uh, it has, it's a digestive, a stimulant, cures for halitosis, fevers, headaches, colic, and as a carminative. Okay. Do you know what a carminative is? Carminative. Yeah, carminative. No. It apparently is something that helps reduce flatulence. Oh, all right. Yeah. So you eat nutmeg, and it does all of these things. And so at the time, everyone's like, not only is it a delicious and it makes me cool, it's also essentially a medicine. Yeah, you know, okay, that's interesting because there's there are plenty of things that grow in Europe yeah. that can be used as medicine. I mean, like most plants. Oh, yeah, there's lots. I mean, St. John's wort, you know? Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming just because because if your whole world, if you're a European in the, in the year 1400. Yeah. Your whole world, you don't have the internet, right? No, no. You don't have That's pictures a couple of, years away. I just Googled a picture of the Banda Islands, and I could see them <laughs> yeah. on my screen, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, like, your whole world is, like, your town, yeah. which could be, like, a couple miles square. You get something that is from... a several thousand miles away it might as well be from the moon it's a different planet yeah yeah totally and like think of these people not traveling more than maybe to the next town or to the woods and half the time if they go too far then they are like in a whole other country or a whole another jurisdiction right yeah it's it's a wild idea and especially if it comes over and someone just tells you this is magical and then you're like uh Okay, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, I don't. I actually, I don't know. My favorite, cult, my favorite uh, detail from European culinary history, uh-huh. and I, this might be apocryphal. I don't know. I've heard it so many times, but who fucking knows anymore? That the reason. So once once Europeans got got their hands on on Eastern spices, yeah, they they had no. I mean, like you know, they weren't. Not a lot of these people were like great chefs, <laughs> so they would just take like every spice and like <laughs> make a roast together. duck of all of these spices oh yeah that would probably be so good <laughs> it would like be so insanely flavorful but like not in a great way yeah but in a way that no one had ever tasted before. right it would blow yeah. your mind probably exactly. but, oh, but cinnamon the reason these things were so overspiced was because they were trying to mask the fact that their meat was often rotten by the time you ate it. I actually heard that it was not the case. Okay, so, yeah, I've heard this a million times, and it always seems like, well, wouldn't they get sick? Why are they eating rotten meat? Surely yeah. they would stop eating rotten meat. <laughs> can you shed some light on this? Yes, I can. I'm so happy you said this, because, uh, it, like, two different websites said this is a myth. Yeah. And cookbooks of the time said if, like, only use fresh stuff. Okay. It's, like, hung properly. Um, and the second thing, remember how I told you about the bubon? plague, right? Yeah. So that killed off so many people that there was actually an increase in uh, labor costs or labor wages because they're like, we need more people. We will pay you more. So there was an increase in wages. So normal people, eh, you know, ish, started making more money hmm. so they could then afford better meat. Interesting. They could also afford all these spices. And it, they would just they would throw it out like all the things said that that's what they would do you can have every spice in the world it's still not going to change the taste of your meat yeah you know and you know people weren't getting sick and dying of of you know rotten meat so i think yeah. um apparently like, and i read something about like the roman soldiers like how much meat people were eating like their allotments as soldiers or something like mm-hmm. that and it was it was a lot so i feel I think like that's, that just went that's probably a little bit of revisionism like yeah. We like to think that like people from that period were like dumber than yeah, right. we are now. It's like honestly probably not. How many people could right now like butcher a cow? Right. They were just they had a different kind of intelligence. Yeah, exactly. But you, it's exactly right. I read multiple places the spices were not added to mask the flavor. There you go. They were just added because they added flavor. Yes. Where they were the flavor. You, you know? heard it here. Stop yeah, spreading here. that rumor. Please stop. You're hurting people. <laughs> 
Any. You know what? I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> no, no, just, I don't give a what? fuck anymore. Yeah, I actually, I really like starting rumors. It's really my, <laughs> my favorite thing. Yeah, you, you heard it here first. Nutmeg actually uh, is the reason um, that we eat pigs. Yep. We actually didn't eat pigs before uh, we had go. nutmeg. Yeah, so tell all your friends. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, the other thing, the last little fun bit about what apparently nutmeg does, which is just like, I'm, I'm marking all these things down in terms of making my choices later in terms of cones. Okay. Uh, it apparently is also a hallucinogen. Oh, wow. It, but you have to eat, like, um, as I think Malcolm, Malcolm X was uh, was said, uh, you have to eat a uh, matchbox, like he called it a penny matchbox uh-huh. full, um, and it said you feel just like if you had some good skunk. <laughs> you, or yeah you know <laughs> or, no 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 eat eat the nutmeg and it, yeah there's a oh that's so funny <laughs> what a, we have an article um on the website that'll tell you uh it's this guy he just said what i need to try this and he just wrote an article about you know what it is why it is and then he just tried it said he just felt kind of floaty that's the big thing that, that it does it makes you feel like you're floating for a little while <sighs> and then after that you just kind of go back to normal and he said he just felt off for like three days <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it also takes like five or six hours to to like get going. Yeah. So it seems like one of those drugs that oh my god slow slow burn a long lag time uh-huh. afterwards, and then you just kind of like my brain doesn't work. <laughs> I just ate like two like two tablespoons of nutmeg. <laughs> I think I, I can't prove this, but I think that you would get the same effect from eating two tablespoons of almost any spice. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, just do the nutmeg challenge, or the cinnamon challenge with nutmeg, Yeah, and then uh, it, in, in go to the doctor. And then do it with Szechuan peppercorn. Yeah, definitely. Really have that'll, a fun time. That'll really get you there. Well, I do, we don't we don't endorse any of these things. But I do. Tell us if you do, then yeah, send us an email. <laughs> tell, tell us what happened when you ate uh, when you ate like two or three whole little things of nutmeg. Powder. Yeah. Anyway, they loved it. They thought it was really cool, so it was very expensive. Now, back to Europe. Enough fun and games here, Alex. Uh. We're going to go to Europe, and uh, at this time, the Netherlands, which we, uh, we call them the Dutch, the Netherlands at this time were controlled by Spain. Okay. Or the Spanish thing. Again, remember how I was saying earlier, there's like all these weird like, you know, connections and crowns and who owns who? Sure. At this point, somehow, the Netherlands, way, way up north, north of France, are controlled by Spain, Yet France is not controlled by Spain. I don't understand. Why not? It. I don't get it. The Habsburgs or something like that. Mm. So anyway, the Spanish uh, got, uh, they were in control of the Netherlands. These Netherlands folks, the United Netherlands uh, provinces said, we're no longer doing this. At the same time, they created this company. They had all these companies and they were business people, merchants. They combined all of these companies into one big company called the Dutch East India Company. Right. Now, this is a famous company. Many people have heard about it. You you said, you know, you seem very familiar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not, I mean, yeah, I know of it. Yeah. It was officially, not officially, unofficially, the very first corporation. Wow. like Like OG model corporation. The way that it is done now is based on how they did it in 1600. Mm. It's, it's pretty awful, and... In, at this time, they were no different than just the state of the Netherlands. They were empowered to make colonies, to uh, do treaties, and put people in prison, start wars. Like it was the, essentially, yeah. they they were shell. The start of it all. Yeah, the start of it all. And you know what? It really hasn't changed that much, except now it's just backroom handshake deals, I'm sure. As opposed to this, they were very much like, we are the Netherlands, and we can do whatever we want. Yeah, now we just have like commercials uh, from these corporations of like people smiling and shaking hands and yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Buy Shell gasoline. Everything's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> At the time, 1600, uh, the Dutch wanted to get their hands on these spices because they're like, hey, let's go explore over these spice islands. We're business people. Let's go straight to the source. Mm. Also, it turns out the source was owned by Portugal, who is now owned by Spain. So attacking Portugal is attacking Spain. So the Dutch, yeah, this is coming around. Mm -hmm. The Dutch went all the way around over into Indonesia, into the Banda Islands and said, we want you to trade only with us. And we're going to kick out the the Portuguese from all these other islands so that now we control the source of all nutmeg. Wow. You want nutmeg, Alex. You have to go to the Dutch uh, merchants and get it from the Dutch East India 
company. A monopoly. A monopoly. That's exactly what they were after. And they got their monopoly. Um, they kicked out the Portuguese a couple different times, mostly very violently. Um, and then they were fighting on uh, one, the big, big island of Banda, and they basically are big Banda Island. And they were like, hey, we need you uh, to trade only with us. And these these Bandanese people, they're like, okay, sure, we'll do that. As soon as the Dutch left, they started trading with everyone again <laughs> because they've been doing this for 2,000 years. Good they're like, for them. this is, you can't just come over here and tell us that you're the merchant now. Like, yeah. sorry. So, they were well experienced. This is not their. This is not the same kind of colonization that happened in the New World, where it was like we've never seen you before. There had been traders and people going back and forth from the Middle East, from the Mediterranean, like all for for many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. So the Bandanese were like, yeah, you know, shit, same same shit, new day. Like we've seen you before. Don't worry about it. They started trading. The Dutch though were like, well, actually, no, we're going to take care of this. And they had a huge war, battles won and lost on both sides. But in the end, the Dutch came out on top and essentially either kicked everyone off, killed them, or enslaved them all together. Jesus Christ. And the last bit that they were doing is they were like, hey, we're fighting with the English also because, again, this is Europe. Everyone's fighting everyone. So they kick out the Spanish and the Portuguese from these islands. There's one island left. They go to the English and they say, hello, England. We would like this island. What can we do to get it? And keep in mind, we're aiming our guns at you right now. Um, so the English are like, well, we're, we're aiming our guns at you. I think we can probably make a deal. We have, uh, we want this island over here off the coast of North America. How about we just we trade islands? Is that cool? And they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. So the Dutch got this steal of a deal. They got up to secure this monopoly by force and by trade and by deals of these spice islands, control all the nutmeg in the world as far as they knew. And they gave to the English this little island called Manhattan, <laughs> which at the time was this podunk little who cares in 16, you know, oh six or something like that, 1650s. Uh, And then, of course, you know, we all know, everyone's like, wow, what a dumb idea. And it's like, well, at the time, the Dutch are the ones who had the the big monopoly. Like, they were making scores and scores of money way back then. Yeah. And then, you know, the English lost it in the end anyway to the United States. So, you know, know, everything gets a wash in the end. Oh, boy, what a depressing (laughs) affair, Casey. I know. And that's not the end of it, though, Alex. Oh, Lord. Okay. But instead of going to a sad place, we're going to go to a happy place. Oh, good. So... Over the next couple centuries, the uh, the Bandanese who had escaped and gone to other islands essentially started smuggling nutmeg all over the place. And they had put it out everywhere else, and then they realized, oh, not they, people, realized, oh, we can grow this, this spice somewhere else. So nutmeg, instead of being only grown on this one section of island, mm-hmm. is now their version, the initial like OG uh, Maristica fragrance. That has then now been spread to other different islands, other different places. And they started growing it there. Boom. Monopoly is completely undercut. Now, All right. Now the Dutch have no monopoly. They're like, well, this sucks. Decades, 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 decades go by. And the people start coming back to the islands um, and kind of, you know, immigrating back onto it because now it's not so, like, intensely managed. And then at one point, the Dutch are like, ah, eh, whatever. They give it away. Indonesia gets it. Indonesia then gives it away um, back to the people. So today, there are a bunch of small farms and collectives where it went to... Uh, in, under the Dutch rule, it was just like a bunch of plantations, the whole entire island, nothing but plantations of nutmeg controlled by the Dutch with, you know, either slaves or indentured servants, you know, making it work. Then, fast forward to today, it's actually reversed and gone back to the families that all live there oh. through all these different, you know, you know, state trading and state making and nation building, and that kind of thing. Now, this place, they said, okay, we're going to give it all and disperse all the land instead of these plantations. We're going to give it to individual families. And now, individual families that were on the island now have this X amount of, uh, of space, and they're still growing nutmeg, this gorgeous little tree with these fun little fruits with these eyes coming out of the trees. They're still growing it today using like little collectives and things like that Hmm. to sell their wares um, so that they can still get a good price rather than you trying to sell on like a global market, you know? Wow. Yeah. That is an okay ending. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not the worst. To an atrocious tale. To an atrocious, atrocious tale. It's in, and so when we like are reviewing this tree or like talking about it, like just a review of what we just talked about, Mm -hmm. this one little, little seed from this one little tree caused sensations in Europe enough that it was worth the time, effort, and money for warring countries to send their ships out to conquer islands in order to kick out their enemies and then 
start enslaving people to make as much money as possible and sell it back to all these other different places and control this market on this one little tree, this one little spice. Yeah. It caused countries to, like, you know, it, it changed the world, you know, if you're really trying to say, okay, well, now that the Dutch don't own in Manhattan, Manhattan becomes a really intense uh, commerce center. And now that is like what the United States uses to make a ridiculous amount of transactional money. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those funny things when you look back like how did how did this island get to where it is now it had to do with those islands way over there and it had to do with the fact that this one little spice caused people to float and then have a stomach ache for three days casey with that before we get into our review of the nutmeg tree yeah we have a recipe that's today. true that's true so go find your nutmeg and then make this Rosenberg. yes this is from friend of the pod swati a portlander and Let's listen to what she has to say. My name is Swati. I live in Portland, Oregon, where I'm very happy, surrounded by trees and rain and different seasons and all that. Pre-COVID, I spent time teaching Indian cooking classes. I am first-generation American. My parents were born and raised in India, and after they met and married, immigrated to Canada and then to the U.S. where I was born. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and every afternoon walking home from the bus stop, I'd be so hot and so sleepy and so exhausted from school and that year-round desert sun, but by the time I was a couple houses away, I'd be hit with the aroma of mustard seeds, turmeric, chili, cumin, and immediately I would feel alive again. The scent was emanating from my home where my mother would have already started cooking dinner. Every evening she would make these elaborate Indian meals with so many colors, greens, reds, oranges, yellows, browns, and there would be so many different textures with all the little dishes she would make, creamy things, crispy things, soft and crunchy and juicy, and so many flavors, sour, sweet, and spicy, of course. Um, All of this was really contributing to kind of the sensory pleasures of eating. And it was even tactile because we ate with our fingers. Uh, With any meal, spices and herbs and style of cooking really contribute to the sense of taste. Both Indian cooking, um, it kind of takes it into takes into account the properties of ingredients using Ayurvedic traditions. So Ayurveda is an ancient Indian healing practice that's based on harmonizing the mind, the body, and the spirit. So what we consume is a large part of this tradition. For example, ginger imparts a bright, spicy, herbal flavor to earthy lentil dishes, especially if you use it fresh, but it also prevents gas and indigestion. So this is why it is often added to dal and bean dishes, which are prone to causing some of these digestive issues. Uh, Nutmeg, called jaifal in Hindi, is a spice commonly used in India in Hindu rituals and with cooking because of its flavor principles and Ayurvedic properties. A Hindu ritual called puja is essentially an offering of the self to God or to a deity. I would see a whole round nutmeg seed and a tiny golden vessel on my mom's puja altar when I was growing up. She said it represents the ego, which I think is pretty fascinating. And like other cuisines where I've tasted nutmeg in cream spinach, rich pastas, buttery shortbreads, or holiday eggnog, Indian cooking also uses nutmeg as a spice in both savory and sweet dishes. Um, It's very warming, both sweet and bitter. Karen Page describes its volume as moderate to loud in the Vegetarian Flavor Bible, which is an amazing book, and which nutmeg is pretty loud. It can be very easy to add too much, and then it can overpower the flavors of everything else in a dish, which is probably why I see recipes simply saying a pinch of nutmeg to measure. Um, Jaifal, or nutmeg, enhances the richness of a variety of Indian meat dishes. So my, I think my mom would put it a lot in lamb, in her lamb curry. 
It's often used in garam masala, which is a blend of toasted herbs and spices like cinnamon or chili, bay leaves, cumin, coriander, nutmeg. The list literally goes on. It's a finishing spice, garam masala, or a finishing blend of spices. And I sprinkle it on a lot of curries after cooking. Um, Nutmeg is said to be an aphrodisiac. It calms nerves. It sweetens breath. It's really relaxing. It raises body heat. And one of my favorite Indian treats to add nutmeg to is kheer, which is an extra sweet, very creamy, milk-based rice pudding. Um, Though some recipes use other grains like noodles or tapioca pearls, there's just so many variations of kheer that vary from region to region to different households or even individuals. Like I make it different each time depending on the season or what I have on hand. You know, you can put in different spices, different dried fruits or toasted nuts, um, The other day I made my fall version with toasted almonds and grated nutmeg, cardamom, and a couple drops of rose water, and I plan on serving it for Diwali this year. Maybe I'll make it extra festive with like a garnish of edible flowers or edible silver. Um, My recipe is fairly quick and easy and uses milk whole milk and basmati rice as the base of it and i have submitted it to completely arbitrary and hopefully soon i'll be able to teach some in-person cooking classes while working on my everyday indian cookery book but in the meantime i can be found at my instagram handle apples and ambrosia thank you casey my Ristica fragrance. <laughs> Alex. Oh, my Ristica fragrance. <laughs> that was incredible. And yeah. like she named several magical powers of nutmeg in that. Yeah. It it, it she I think I heard a, a, a carminative response. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh Swati, thank you so much for that message. Wow. Uh, I am officially starving. <laughs> That's that just like I as as she was describing the dishes in the first half there, my mouth began to water. Yeah. And I was like, oh wow, I need food. <laughs> I was thinking that uh like eat your heart out, NPR. Like, oh yeah. We got we got the the uh what is it, the 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 glorious table? What is that? There's oh, a show I, I hate don't it. know, but I, I know I know what anyway. Yeah, yeah. we've <laughs> That was great. Uh, you can find wow. this recipe from Swati for Kheer, this fragrant, creamy Indian-style rice pudding, on our website under this episode. Uh, I might be making that tonight. We'll see. I, I think you should. That sounds delicious. I just want all those curries. Nutmeg. Oh, man. Yeah. Lamb curry. <sighs> yeah, man. Let's just take a moment. Yeah, what, what were we doing? <laughs> Casey, Where? what we were doing is giving our review of the nutmeg tree. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then yep. give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. Mm-hmm. As our resident expert, we'll begin with you. All right, Alex. So there's a lot of things that I really I really like about this tree. There's a lot of things I don't like about this tree. Okay. Uh, I think it's funny that uh, Swati noticed that it, or said her mom said that it was it represented the ego. If it was in the, there's a little bit of nutmeg in that that golden uh, ring or the yeah. Cup. I think that's exactly what this tree is. I feel like it's it's. It, it, am I projecting the rest of the world onto this tree? If everyone thinks that this tree was like the thing and mm-hmm. like fought wars over it versus the uh like is the tree itself like yeah i'm good i know i'm good right i don't know i mean judging by the aural that red bit on the top of it you got to think this tree has a little flair you know like sure you know it's got a little, a little bit, bit of, of an like, attitude yeah it knows it knows it's cool and mm-hmm. that's why it puts on this fantastic headdress and you know shows itself off splits the seed open it's a little gaudy you know yeah do i like it do i not like it i don't know Otherwise, I think that this tree has some fun things going on with it. It is, A, beautiful. It only lives to like 80 years, so great. You can replace it and plant a new tr- 
tree that you know that lives for longer. That's nice. Um, it has such a storied history, Alex. Mm-hmm. This tree, if you if you look at it as like getting pulled around by different you know things, every time it got pulled one way or another, it shifted the course of history. You know, in, it's certainly in terms of modern European history and. Uh, the history of the United States and colonialism. Like, it was the tree that kind of started colonialism off. It, it was like, yeah. you know, that stepping point. So, so do we like that or do we not Exactly. Like that? That's why I'm so torn right here. So I think, you know, the story of this tree and what it's done to the world, I think if we're just looking at it from a historical sense and we just say, okay, this tree is is a keystone that has, like, turned the knobs of, of politics around the world I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. I like that it has these beautiful coffee-looking like uh, um, leaves. And I think just the fact that it has this alien uh, gum uh, aural on the top of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we had another descriptor of it. Either way, I, I think that looks really cool. I'm going to give this tree uh, a 7.8. All right. A 7.8 for being, you know... A little bit gaudy. I'm taking away points for it being just a little too much. It's kind of like, hey, you know what? Why don't you just take it easy for a second? We get it. We see. You're important. (laughs) So I'm taking away a little for that, but I'm giving a little for the tree. You know, Uh, know, uh, it's only important because it uh, somehow captured the hearts and minds of people who, you know, also had guns and, and consciences that were quite different than ours now. Well, there you have it. 7.8. There you go. That's what I think. 7.8 for the nutmeg from dendrologist Casey Clapp. My Ristica fragrance. Uh, Casey, I think the nutmeg is pretty pretty groovy, man. Oh, all right, bro. Uh, I, love a, I love a tree with some historical significance. Yeah. Um, I love that it put zero effort into its bark and leaves yeah. and overall appearance. <laughs> And 100% effort, 110%. Yeah, it's really, it's into, sweat Into the fruit. <laughs> uh, nutmeg, I love nutmeg flavored things. Mm-hmm. I haven't had, a, I don't think I've had a lot of savory dishes with nutmeg. Mm-hmm. Growing up, nutmeg was more of like a dessert thing yeah, for my family. Eggnog and things. Yeah, yeah. Or like, um, yeah, what else? Like, yeah, eggnog's a good one. A little sprinkling of nutmeg. But we, as you know, as, a, as an extremely white family in suburban Oregon, <laughs> Uh, we were not like cooking with a lot of nutmeg. Yeah, you can smell it from a couple houses down. No, yeah. of of which I'm extremely envious. Um, although nowadays, when I, I'm I'm now enlightened culinarily, mm-hmm. I, I I've cooked with some nutmeg, not a ton. Okay. Um, I think it's a great flavor. I think it's a beautiful fruit. Mm. The seed, particularly, particularly. is incredible looking. Honestly, it looks so alien. Never take your mace off. Yes. Uh. Casey, Alex, I'm giving this, 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 this god of spices <laughs> a nine point A nine point I think it deserves wow. it. Yeah, that's incredible. It's yeah, it, without any bark and without any leaves. Yes, this tree, this tree's put all of its seed in one basket. Yeah, and and it's paid off. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a Helen of Troy. You it know? totally is. Yes, caused. Wo- oh my God, that's such a perfect thing. It's yeah. wow. This is the the Helen of the Helen of Troy of seeds. Yes. Helen of seeds. The se- we'll come up with. Are something. you trying to think of an episode title? No, no, no. I was just, yeah, I was just. Yeah, yeah. Wow, nine point oh. Nine point oh. good, man. Good score for this tree. Yeah, congratulations, nutmeg. Well done, and thank you, Swati. Uh, this recipe sounds amazing, and Delicious. thank you for all your hard work in getting that to us. We appreciate you and all of our guest chefs. Yes, we do. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This week's question is from Elizabeth Clark. Hi, Elizabeth. Or as Elizabeth signs off, Liz. Oh. Hi, Casey and Alex. Huge fan of Trees and the podcast. I go to college at Whitworth University in eastern Washington, and we have five ginkgo trees on the eastern side of our library. I noticed the other day that the trees all seem to be in different seasons. The northernmost tree has lost all of its leaves, but the southernmost tree is still going green and is still green and going strong. What could be causing this phenological gradient? Ah, wow. Nice term. Thanks for your expert opinion, Liz. Liz, thank you for your question. Casey, yeah. is this a sunlight situation? You know, I don't think it is in this case. It, it would be a little bit, but I don't know if it's the entire answer. 
the thing that I think is really playing the biggest, uh, the biggest has the biggest effect here is mm-hmm. the terrier of the of the trees. Or rather, I think that's the incorrect term. The provenance of the trees, which is where something is from. Oh. So in this case, um, this happens a lot of times with nursery plants where, um, let's say you are trying to buy a tree. You're just going to go get it off the internet. And someone's going to mail it to your house. Okay. You order that tree from any place. It could be coming from a nursery in any place. Let's say um, you're in, uh, let's say you're in Arkansas. You could go and buy one from a nursery that grew the tree from seed in Oregon, or it could be from Ohio right. or New Jersey or South Carolina. What you're saying is a different climate than where you're from. Yes, but the exactly. tree was born in that climate. Yes. Now they could then have taken that, or someone else could take that seed, take clippings and of that new plant, and then stick those in the ground, grow those into trees, so on and so forth. So that tree, the genes could be ready and stoked and able to live in wherever it grew mm-hmm. up. Maybe it's a, a tree that does really well or initially grew from seed in a really cold area. So the tree is now kind of basically um, better able to adapt to cold areas, you know, okay. something like that. Interesting. So anyway, you do this all over the place and you can find that over time, the same exact species of tree could be from way different places or from seeds that have wildly different genes in it. One says, I'm going to go until late fall. The other says, well, as soon as the sun mm. reaches this point, I'm going to immediately drop all my leaves. Because as we know, and as the pictures show, which is great, um, the ginkgo will lose all of its leaves almost immediately. Like one day, everything's good. There's this gorgeous yellow tree. The next day, every single leaf Gone. has fallen all okay. at once. Yeah. So, um, in this case, most likely what I'm thinking is it's a a bunch of different things. Some of it could be sunlight. It's hard to tell. They're on the east side, she said. Um, But I don't know if there is, um, if the sun hits it especially hard on one side, because essentially, if the sun's coming up in the east, it's just going to hit them, it's going to go over the the building, and then that's it. They're pretty much in the shade, or at least on the opposite side of the building, from where the sun is at later in the day. So they're all getting basically equal treatment. Yeah, exactly. Unless there's some other big tree that's blocking one of them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So most likely, I think that this comes down to the individual genes of the tree, um, but also it could be where that tree grew from, from seed, um, that is the genes in terms of that individual seed, but also the genes from where that seed came from. Did that come from a bunch of trees that were already super good at taking colder conditions, in which case they're going to keep green leaves for a little bit longer? Okay. Or if it's a tree that's initially from and grown in a warmer section of the world, then as soon as it gets even slightly bit cold over there in eastern Washington, it's like, ah, and drops all of its leaves all at once. Now, I have a bit of a hiccup for your theory here, Casey. Okay. And that in the photo... It appears to be, as Liz said, a gradient. Yes. So okay. wouldn't it be an, of extreme coincidence uh-huh. that these trees were planted in a way where they lose their leaves in a gradient? Mm. If, if it's if we're following the trajectory of your theory, yeah, it's true. Yeah, because you're saying then it would be essentially random where it could be. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to mm. you can see in the photo, the one furthest from the camera is pretty green. The one next to it, a little yellow. The one next to it, losing some leaves. The one next to it, closest to the camera, is almost completely uh, leafless. I see. It does It does appear that way. Now, on the left side, you can see there's some pine trees. Yep. So I wonder if perhaps uh, the, the trees, as they go back, they might be in a different um, microclimate. Um, so we, we can't quite see, but... If this is the east side, then the sun is going to be mostly baking over on the... It'll come over. It'll be shading to the south side. So that would mean that as the sun comes up through this photo, it is going to be at the highest point in the sky um, in the summertime, hitting almost straight down on these trees. And then as it goes further over towards the west... It might be hitting the uh, some of the trees where the branches or the, the building kind of allows the sunlight to go through. That might keep it warmer. This is a good question. This is a, this is a quandary. Well, we'll post this photo uh, on our Instagram post for this yeah. episode. And if you think you know what's going on here, uh, go comment and, and let us know. Yeah, because it, it could also be uh, that the one tree 
has just already done its leaf drop and the other one's about to do it. Sure. You know, it's like, you know, which uh, are, we're all the same species. We pretty much grew up in the same area, but someone hits puberty first. You yeah, know? yeah. Someone yeah, grows yeah. a little bit taller. So it might just be down to the individual trees, assuming they all came from the same exact spot. They're all planted in a microclimate area that's all essentially exactly the same. Then the only thing you can do is assume that the genes between each tree are just slightly different just so so that the trees itself or the trees themselves are like well i do it just a little bit earlier because that's my preference right it could be well what i a love good a question. good i love a good tree quandary oh me too it's like it's like we're doing a, a, a sleuthing yeah. going around there and being like all right sniffing the leaves and be like well if this leaf was placed here mm-hmm. it must have been Miss Scarlet. We t- we take a little. We take our pinky and dip it in the sap and dab yeah. it on our tongue. Exactly. Mm. When you ask these really strange questions, and then we finally, at the end of the movie, explain what everything was. Yeah. Anyway. Now on the night of the fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you, Liz, for your question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod. Nope. Yes, at arbitrarypod at gmail dot com. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, join us on Instagram. At Arbitrary Pod, that's A R B O R T R A R Y Pod. Or you can support the podcast by joining the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. Basically, Google Arbitrary Pod and you'll find everything that's important to you and us. Yep. Uh, Case. Alex, what a fun episode. Yeah, I had a good time. You know, it's a little ironic, maybe befittingly, uh, that we called out. This story for being, we called out a bunch of uh, Western centrism. Yeah, yeah. In this story, and yet the story we told was quite Western centric in that it was about a spice trade originating right? from Europe. It well, that's the thing is when we first brought it up, I said there's going to be a lot more of this. Yes, yeah, because this is it is in this case a European centric thing that they essentially took over. But if we're looking at the tree itself that caused it, it is not a European tree. It's the right. Europeans meddling with what the Bandanese already had going really well. Exactly. Yeah, so it is, I think, but I think at the very center of it, it is this really unique tree in this really unique place with these people that are like, we know what we got. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what else is a good thing? What? Friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a forced transition. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 